Hey, this is Luke Vaughn, the assistant youth pastor at The Rock Youth, and we are so excited for you to hear our latest sermon. Take a listen. Good morning, good morning. I hope you guys are a little more awake than the 9.15. I don't think any of us were awake then. People were just staring at me like, what is she saying? I'm, I'm not getting it. No, just kidding. For those of you that don't know me, I'm Christina. I've been a youth leader here for a while now. I'm super happy to be bringing you the message, and I'm seeing so many familiar faces, a couple new faces, so I hope you guys feel comfortable. I hope you know that you belong here, that we want you here, and that we're excited to see you. So I'll open up in prayer, and then we'll get started. Dear Lord, we just come to you this morning. We come to you with a humble heart. We come to you ready to, to honor you, but we also come to you ready to receive whatever you want us to hear this morning, Lord. I pray that whatever word I speak that is not from you would fall to the floor, Father, but that every word from you would be spirit-filled, Lord, and that would penetrate our hearts and in the areas of our heart that is just is harsh and hard and in the areas that we haven't let you in, Father, we pray that you would soften those areas today, Father, that you would give us ears to hear and eyes to see what you want to do, Lord. We bless you, we honor you, and we just say this is for you. In your holy name we pray, amen. So last summer, two summers ago, summer 2020, we were like in the thick of COVID, right? And I know everyone's tired of hearing about COVID, but this story just reminded me. So my family friends and I were like, we have to get out of here. Let's go on a road trip. So we go on a road trip to Wyoming and we did like hikes and we did floating down the river and that's all cool with me. And then one morning I woke up, a little bit later than everyone, because I like to sleep in. Anyone else like a late sleeper? Yeah, there you go. Um, I'm not a morning person. Never have been, never will be. So I always wake up late. So everyone's like eating breakfast, and I come out, and they're kind of like looking at me and laughing, and I'm like, what's going on? And they're like, we're going to do a ropes course today. And I'm like, "Uh uh-uh. If you know me, I do not like heights. Like when I was young, I liked them. Like at the fair, I would go in the fireball and like all those weird things. I just don't like heights anymore. I just, as I've gotten older, I, I don't want to do it. I have nothing to prove to myself. I just don't like heights. But they're like, no, you're going on this ropes course with us. So I'm like, all right. So we get there, and I'm like strapped up. I have like 36 belts on me. I don't even know what I'm doing. They're like, all right, let's practice. So we go on this little practice round, which I actually didn't know was a practice ropes course. I thought this was like the ropes course. So I'm like, okay, I got this. They're like, no, this is just practice. The real one's over there. And I look up, and I'm just like, okay. So I'm up there, and this isn't like your average ropes course. This is like, they have like skateboards, and you have to like skateboard across ropes. And they have like, you have to climb up, and you can't just climb up straight. You have to like loop yourself around, and no one's up there helping you. So you literally just feel like it's, you're going to die if you, and you can't, there's no way, because if one is loose, the other won't come loose. I don't know. But anyways, I was freaked out. So about halfway through, I'm like smiling, but inside I'm like thinking I'm going to die every step I take. So about halfway through, a storm's coming in. So they're like, okay, guys, you have to get out of the trees. And I'm like, oh, praise Jesus. I put in my time. Now we can just be done. So we get down. We're, like, taking everything off. We're figuring out where we're going to go to lunch. They come back to us. They're like, actually, the storm's passed. So if you guys want to go back up into the trees and finish, you guys can finish your day. And I'm like, no, we're good. We're going to – and everyone's like, oh, no, we're going back up. We paid, like, 100 bucks for this. So I'm like, okay, fine. So we get back up there. And we start where we left off, which is literally the highest point of this ropes course. And so we're up there, and all of a sudden, we, like, hear thunder. And I'm like, hmm. And then we hear it again. 
Then it starts pouring rain. Then it's windy, and I'm literally, like, hugging a tree. I'm not kidding you guys. I was hugging a tree. It's swaying back and forth. I'm crying. I yelled out loud, this isn't fun anymore. And everyone's, like, laughing at me because I'm literally about to have a panic attack in a tree. So anyways, they're like, hey, guys, lightning is getting close. We have to get you down. And I'm, I'm literally hugging this tree. Like, it's rainy. I'm wet. I'm crying. And so they're like, but you, we can't get you from the tree that you're at. You have to cross over to the other tree. And I'm like, are you kidding me? And this was the one where you have to, like, reach out and get a rope. And then you have to, like, it's like this little thing on wheels, but there's nothing in the middle. So you have to make sure when you jump, you hit both sides. So I, I can't even reach it. I'm like, oh, my gosh. So I finally reach it, and I go over. They're, like, pulling me out of this tree. I look over, and there's, like, a mask stuck in the tree. I'm like, this is the most 2020 thing ever. Get me out of here. So that was that. So fast forward six months later, by the way, everyone was like, wow, you really, you really lost it up there. Are you okay? And I'm like, no, never make me do that again. I knew this was a bad idea. So six months later, we all go on another trip together. They're my good family friends. And we're in Oregon. Same thing happens. We're in the chairlift. Out of nowhere, a storm comes, like literally like a whiteout storm out of nowhere. We're sitting in the chairlift, and we didn't have those little things that come down, which you guys probably don't use because you're cooler than me, but I like need that. So that thing isn't there, so we're just super high up. Our chairlift is swaying back and forth again. I'm, like, hugging the side. My, I, like, had my friend hold my poles, my ski poles. I'm, like, I just, like, need both hands right now. So we're in there. We're, like, swaying back and forth. You can't even see your skis. We finally get off. We ski down. It was just, like, a nightmare. But I was, like, all right, you're going to hold it together. You're not, you're not going to lose your mind on this mountain. So we get down. We're, like, in the lodge, and they're, like, they look at me. They're, like, you did good. And I'm like, what? They're like, you didn't, you didn't lose it this time. Like, you redeemed yourself from your last trip. And I'm like, thank you. I did. I did good, didn't I? And that just kind of reminded me of the story. Like, I redeemed myself from my nightmare up in the ropes course. But, like, Jesus is our ultimate redeemer here. He can take what was broken, what was lost. He can take sorrow. And he replaces it with joy. And that was the story of Ruth, which we're going to be talking about today. And I, every time I read that, this is like one of my favorite books in the Bible. I feel like a lot of women like this book. So girls, if you haven't read this yet, it's, you would love it. You're going to love it. But every time I read it, and I read it about, I would say like once or twice a year, the Lord speaks to me something super differently. Like every time I read it, it's, God tells me something different. He shows me something different. And that's the beauty of the word. The, word, the, Bible is, or the, the words in the Bible are alive and active, meaning powerful. They penetrate your heart. Whether you feel it or not, there's something happening in your heart when you're reading the word of God. And so when he speaks to us through his word, it's, it's, it's crafted for the season that we're in. So you can read a book of the Bible a year ago, and God will tell you something that you need today through that same book. And that's exactly what happened for me when I was reading it over the last two weeks. And so the theme that I noticed when I read it this time was just the theme of total redemption. And so I thought of that story as I was studying for this and just like the redemptive work that God can do in our life. He replaces what was broke. He replaces what is broken and makes it whole again. And so the beginning of Ruth, and I just want to lay down the foundation. I was trying to kind of cut up scripture and tell the story, but God already told it in the Bible. So I didn't want to, I didn't want to take out scripture and replace and, and try and make it sound better, but God already told it. There's no better way to tell the story than God. So bear with me. It's going to be a little scripture heavy in the beginning, and then I'll kind of personalize it to how we, how we are feeling today. So the opening of the book of Ruth begins with sorrow. There was a famine in the land of Judah. So Naomi and her husband, Elimelech, everyone say Elimelech, Elimelech, Tiago say it, Elimelech. 
I could not pronounce that word. I literally had to watch a video on how to pronounce Elimelech. And I watched two because I wanted to make sure. So that's what I had to do. Elimelech took their two sons and moved to the land of Moab. So Moab in the Bible actually means short of the promised land. Keep that in mind. Naomi's husband died, and Naomi was left in Moab with her two sons. They married Orpah and Ruth. These were Moabite women. They were not in covenant with the Lord. They were not Israelites. They had a completely different culture, completely different gods. So Naomi's husband dies. She's left with Orpah and Ruth. After 10 years living in Moab, their husbands die too. So now she's with, just with her two daughters-in-law. So Naomi's not in the promised land. She's short of the promised land. She hears what God is doing back in Judah and says, God's feeding his people. I'm going to go back there. I'm going to move back to where I should actually be. So she says this to the women, and she says, you don't have to come with me. Stay here. This is where your family is. You don't need to come. Orpah says, okay, I'm going to stay. And Ruth decides to go with her. So Naomi says, return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? Am I going to have any more sons? Who could become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. I am too old to have another husband. Even if I thought there was still hope for me, even if I had a husband tonight and then gave birth to sons, would you wait until they grew up? Would you remain unmarried for them? No, my daughters, it is more bitter for me than for you, because the Lord's hand has turned against me. But Ruth replies, don't urge me to leave you or turn my back from you. Where you go, I will go, and where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, and your God, my God. So they go back to Bethlehem, and I can only imagine, like, how Naomi is feeling. She wasn't supposed to leave this land. She leaves. Her husband dies. Her sons marry Moabite women, and Moabites were actually considered, like, inferior to the Israelites. So she's coming back. She's probably a little embarrassed, probably feels a little down on herself. People greet her, and they're like, oh, my gosh, Naomi, you're back. Like, is this Naomi? She's been gone for so long. She says, don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara, because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. Naomi actually means pleasantness, and Mara means bitter. So she changed her name from pleasant to bitter. So the time that they arrived back in, in Judah was harvest time. So the harvesters were harvesting the fields for grain, um, Ruth decides, in order for us to eat, we're coming back poor. I need to glean the land. I need to glean the harvest, which means, which actually represents being very poor. So people, the harvesters have harvest. What's ever left on the floor, that's like the leftover grain. That's what Ruth is picking up. So Ruth is doing that humbly, feeding her, feeding her uh, mother-in-law, Naomi. And a man named Boaz grabs her attention. Or she grabs Boaz's attention, the wealthy landowner. And he finds the ultimate amount of favor on her. He says to her, in all of the harvesters, like, leave stuff on the ground for Ruth. Um, I, I have found favor with her. Leave stuff on the ground so she can feed Naomi. And she goes, why, well, why are, you, why are you being so nice to me? Why are you finding such favor towards me? And he said, I have had a complete account of what you have done for your mother-in-law and your husband's death. You have left your father and your mother and the land of your birth and have come to a people who previously you did not know. May the Lord reward what you have done. Just pause right here. As I was reading this, I was like, wow, like, God really exalted Ruth in her humility. She was out there gleaning and, and, and even, like, saying, like, I'm poor, I need the leftovers, but someone noticed her, and she didn't, she didn't exalt herself. She didn't uh, brag in the land how loyal she was, how honoring she was. She didn't have to do that. She humbled herself, and the Lord put someone in her life that exalted her, and so that, that really touched me. So, um, 
Boaz was actually considered their guardian redeemer. So he's a distant relative. And in the Old Testament, there's a lot of like tradition and stuff. And so a guardian redeemer is just someone that is supposed to protect the family line, protect the land if a tragedy or something happens. So anyways, Ruth comes home, tells Naomi of just the favor that's been found in her. And Naomi goes, oh my gosh, praise be to the Lord who this day has not left you without a guardian redeemer. May he become famous throughout Israel. He will renew your life and sustain you in your old age. So there's a couple little lessons and and things that the Lord really spoke to me just through this this front half of scripture. This is just the first couple of chapters of Ruth. And what I love about the book of Ruth is that it, it starts with a hopeless situation. It starts with a famine and like a natural disaster. And I think that we can kind of connect with that right now, just everything that's going on in the world. Everything seems dry. Everything seems barren. It's kind of like what's going on. Same thing in Ruth. But I also connected a lot with Naomi, and I want to look at her first. So during the time of Naomi's loss and confusion, she loses her husband. She loses her sons. She's not in the land she was supposed to be in. She wasn't born there. She kind of relied on trying to reason out the situation and make sense of it herself. Remember, she said, even if I give birth to sons, would you wait for them? She's trying to figure out and she's trying to plan how she's going to get herself out of this situation. And I think that so many of us do that. When we get in a situation of sorrow or loss or confusion, and I'm feeling it right now, we kind of reason. Like I laid in bed last night and I was like, how am I going to fix this? How am I going to fix this? How am I going to fix this? And our thoughts are not God's thoughts and our ways are not God's ways. So when we try and take control and, and fix the situation and try and reason it out, we're just pulling ourselves right outside of God's will. It's when we're resting and we're trusting and we're praying that God's going to bring about what we want in a totally different way. So that's the first thing that I picked up from Naomi and connected with her on. The second thing is that um, she uses her worldly, yeah, she uses her worldly perspective to try and solve the problem. God's ways are not our ways. Second, during the law, she hits a, a major identity crisis. She calls herself Mora, which means bitter. Remember, Naomi means pleasantness, Mora means bitter. And I think that we do that too. We get in a situation, we get in a, in a tough situation, and we just say, like, maybe we fail a test and we say, I'm stupid, I'm dumb, I'm not smart. Maybe we hit some things with the friends and we feel left out and we say, I'm not good enough, I'm unworthy, I'm unloved. Maybe something happens and we feel depressed and we label ourselves as depressed or anxious. But we label that ourselves that before God is done working. And, and Naomi did the same thing. Before God was done working in her story, she, labor, she labeled herself bitter. She changed her identity. But I want you to know that if you feel like Naomi did, God's not done working. Philippians 1.6 says, Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it out to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. So if you're in that same situation as Naomi, he's not done working. That's not where he's going to lead you. And I I really connected with her on that. And then the last thing is that feeling of emptiness and affliction. She says, I went away full, but the Lord brought me back empty. And if you remember, Moab was not the promised land. The Lord actually told them, like, I've given you guys this land. You need to stay here. And through sinfulness and immorality, the Lord brought on a famine. That's why they left. They followed the food rather than stayed in faith. And I think we do that too. God has us in a place and then it gets uncomfortable. And so we try to start doing and we try to start moving around when God's like, this is actually where I called you right now. So what I noticed is that the Lord used her emptiness. He used her sorrow. He used her affliction to bring her back into the promised land. So 
it's human nature to kind of to kind of want to do and to make things happen, but sometimes that's not what the Lord's asking. He's asking you to stay right where you are. Because I think sometimes we kind of go like seeking the miracles. Like we we gotta make this happen. I have to see, I have to see this happen. God show me a sign when he's like, hey, I'm right here and you're exactly where you're supposed to be. But the bigger, biggest miracles that I've seen in my life, and I've seen some cool things. I've seen people's lives radically be changed. They come to Christ. I've seen healings. But the biggest miracle in my life was God's redemptive power. And that was taking a situation of sorrow and depletion and hopelessness and bringing about the answer in a way that I could have never imagined, bringing me more joy, more confidence, more anything that I could ever imagine. And that's the redemptive work in God. That's who God is. And just looking at Ruth. Ruth is so loyal, and it wasn't even specified in the Bible whether or not she accepted Naomi's God, God as her God, right? The Moabites had their own culture, had their own gods, Orpah turned back to the gods, but Ruth says, no, I'm going to trust your God, and I'm going to go with you, and the Lord brought about so much fruitfulness just from her trust and just from her obedience, and like I said, faith isn't always doing, faith is trusting, I think sometimes we feel like we're walking so blindly. Like I was praying with the Lord. I'm like, God, this is like, sometimes it just feels like such blind faith. Like, and he's like, he literally was like, why does it feel blind? Like I gave you my whole, I, you have the Bible that's going to light your steps. You don't need to feel like you're walking through life blindly in your faith. I've given you all the answers you need right in there. But just speaking from Ruth, if you trust God, he will provide for you. His name is literally Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides And look how he provided for them. He sent them a guardian redeemer. He sent them a Boaz. And at the end of the story, Ruth ends up marrying Boaz. And this is really cool. The lineage, they have a son named Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. And we know that Jesus comes from the lineage of David. So what happens here is they take, God uses the affliction, moves her back into the promised land, aligns their life with Jesus. You notice that, Jesus' birth line was not birthed out of the land, the barren land, the Moab land. It was birthed back in Bethlehem and Judah. So the same thing. Sometimes God uses our affliction, our pain, our sorrow to redeem us, to bring us back into, into his will and to align us with his plan for our life. And I just love that. So I just want to leave you with a couple things. Just remember that God is always working in your life, even when you don't feel it, even when you're not the Bible isn't like jumping out to you, even when you're not getting words or, or just whatever, God is always working in your life. And I listened to something this week and it, was, it just said like, when you feel like he's not, literally out loud say, God is working. God is for me. God is providing. And just by hearing yourself say that builds up your faith. God is always working. Remain in his promise. Align yourself with his will. And sometimes it's not always comfortable. You're gonna go through stuff. You're going to feel sorrow, but that's not where your story ends. Your story ends with the redemptive work of Jesus Christ. You have victory over every single battle in your life, every single battle. So when you feel hopeless, when you feel barren, just think back to the story. Think that God is not going to leave you where you are. He is bringing you into his promises. He may be using this to bring you back into his will for his, your life. Let me just close in prayer. Father, thank you so much for your redemptive work in our lives. Thank you that where areas of our life are barren and broken and and may seem hopeless, Lord, that you have a bigger plan that we can't even see yet, God. That your plan is to prosper us and to provide and to push us forward. Even when we fall out of of alignment with you, God, that you're so merciful and faithful to bring us right back in. 
We love you, Lord. We worship you. We say, have your way in this time. May we not just blow past the words that you've spoken or spoken through me today, God, but may they ruminate in our hearts. May we meditate on your goodness, on your love, on your faithfulness. We love you. We honor you. We worship you. We declare this time is a time for you to come and have your way, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. That was such an amazing sermon. If you want to connect with us here at The Rock Youth, follow us on Instagram at The Rock Church YTH, subscribe to our YouTube channel, or follow us on Spotify by searching The Rock YTH, or text The Rock Youth MS or The Rock Youth HS to 33222 for texting updates on everything we have here going on at The Rock Youth. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast feed. We'll see you next time.